The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hi, Bluewire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Bluewire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, BronxPinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the world! George's Box. Welcome back to George's Box. I'm JJ. I'm Nick. And I don't know, it's a good day to be a Yankee fan. I don't... All the excitement has been zapped out of me, Nick. All You're done? I mean, it is... So it's 5.22 on Tuesday when we're recording this. And we had a beautiful plan, Nick. The Yankees were going to play the Phillies at 6 o'clock. And we weren't going to be recording right now. We were going to wait till the game was over. I was going to potentially invite you over so we just watch the game and do this in person. Um, we were, you know, because we're still doing the whole, like, COVID thing. Uh, but there is no game. And there was no game yesterday. And now we're playing the Orioles tomorrow or today when you're listening to this. I want to go back to, hey, I'll do the first half of the show, like, excited. But I was right. <laughs> I was right. I'm not yet. We're going to Baltimore tomorrow to win a baseball game, and, and Garrett Cole's pitching, so not yet. Season hasn't ended yet. We're still going. All right. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. All right. You have a problem. <laughs> You're a fucking baseball junkie. No, I mean, let's talk about it. So... Last week, we did this show. We're ready to, you know, we had gotten a little taste of exhibition. It felt nice. I, you know, the boys were back in the Bronx. You see the stadium. Any kind of negativity towards the league, the players, and anything started to really wash away. 
Then we open on Thursday night in Washington. And, I mean, it was it was fun. You know, it was... Wasn't it awesome, man? It was, it was a, great. You know, it's a short game. We You know, we don't get through the whole game because of rain. There's no fans there, so it's a little different. We had to watch someone else raise a championship banner. You know, all things that you would think normally you'd be like, this is fucking terrible. But it was great. It was, I, I think, the player... And I don't think there's anyone who even listens to this podcast and wants to hear me talk about anything anymore who uh, hates kneeling at this point. But the players did a demonstration before the game where they all held a black... I don't know what it was, like... On a rope, essentially, uh, and on both teams kneeled for a you know couple moments of silence, uh, then stood for the anthem. Uh, later that night, the Dodgers and Rangers, uh, the Dodgers and Giants did the same thing. Couple players stayed kneeling, uh, and so obviously you know there's going to be some controversy around that. But I got this feeling on Thursday night. You know, I mean, you're engaged. You know when you look at Jamie and you're just like, you know, maybe she's sleeping and uh, and you just look and you're like, you know what, I, I made a right choice here. I feel good about this. I feel secure. I hope everyone has felt that and felt that love. I think that when I see my daughter. I think that when I see my wife. I think that when I see Garrett Cole on the mound. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It was everything that it lived up to. Like, he gave up that, you know, that home run, but... It's not even necessarily the performance, but if there's a look, there's a feeling. It's uh, it's Roger Clemens on the mound, you know? It's not, we might get playoff Tanaka where he might go seven innings, he might go four, who knows? Garrett Cole is just like a, I don't know, a weighted blanket. All my anxiety about baseball goes away just seeing him. And then you see him after the game and he's just like, this is the best moment of my life. He was pumped. He was just as pumped as us. And some guys have a mound presence and other guys don't. When he gets on the mound, he has a presence about him. You kind of get up, you look a little bit longer, you watch him, you can tell the other players notice it. Like he just has a presence about him and it's awesome. It's, it's a feeling that I can honestly say I haven't had for a Yankees pitcher in a very long time. Maybe early CC. I think that's a debate amongst Yankee fans. Like, have we, has it been since Roger Clemens or has it been since Prime CC? Because Prime CC, we got, we had that feeling for maybe two years. Yeah. Oh, nine and ten. I mean, when Roger Clemens was standing in George's box in 2007, I felt that. And he's not even near the field, you know? So, oh, yeah. it, it, it was just, it was such a, a magical feeling. There was, when it hit the rain delay, I was like, you motherfuckers are going to make me stay up late the first night. Like, come on, either call it or what are we going to, and I don't think anyone understood what was going to happen if the game ended there. I feel like we were getting mixed messages from the broadcast and from reporters on like, do they pick it up from there? They restart it. It's a win. Like it feel, it felt like no one knew. It was total chaos because you had heard from some people they're not going to do rain delays this year because they don't want players hanging around the clubhouse being all close to each other. So, but when they didn't, when they didn't call it right away, it's like, oh, I guess we are doing rain delays now. But I mean, the dugouts looked like rivers and then they eventually called it. And I didn't care. Nine innings, six innings, five innings, a win's a win. 
was really pumped to be 1-0 and and felt great waking up Friday morning. I did see in one of the shots of, it looked like it was the Nationals dugout, as it went to like the end of it, they were showing, you know, the, the water like spill over the ledge. And there was just a tall boy of uh, Bud Light like floating there. I was like, who's, <laughs> who's drinking a beer in the stadium? Is that, is that you, Fauci? One of the scouts. And I'll tell you, I didn't give a shit that there weren't fans there. I didn't notice it at all. Once the game started, whenever we got into a big spot, runners on, two outs, whatever the case, I didn't notice at all. I don't know how you felt, but it did not affect me one iota. I think they have done a surprisingly good job with the fake crowd noise. Like, it is. I tweeted on Saturday, like, when it goes against you, it's like, oh, that's really salt in the wound because that's just one guy being like, ah, you know, twisting the knife. And they didn't earn that noise. It's not like it's a crowd and they're on their feet and they're giving them advantage. It's like a fake advantage almost when they're pumping it in and you're losing. Yeah. So, I mean, Thursday night goes off great. I mean, baseball's back. The thing that annoyed me on Friday was that we didn't have baseball. I was just like, like, fuck it, just play another game. Let's do this, you know? Not I, only I that, tough. there were no 1 o'clock games either. Like, I woke up ready to just go NCAA tournament, watched. I was ready to watch 12 straight hours of baseball, and there was one 4 o'clock game, and the rest started at 7. I mean, what a total botch. Not that we should be surprised at this point, but. Yeah, I mean, baseball screwed up. In general, the whole <laughs> schedule doesn't have enough day games, especially, like, kids home during the summer, can't go anywhere, there's no camp. Huge missed opportunity to grow the game. And dude, places like Wrigley Field, they're opening up at night. It just it doesn't make any sense. Bush Stadium, all all these places where day games are paramount and day games are tradition, they're not even doing it. I really didn't understand it. But yeah, I think it, here. I think it would have been smart to to have more day games, and especially for that opening day. I mean, because it used to be like the Reds played a day game like a day before everyone else. Where did that? Yes. Come? You know? Yeah. And the Yankees always start at one o'clock when they're at home. Yeah, so let's uh, let's talk. <laughs> I think we got to like touch on it a little bit. That Fauci first pitch, that was a rough one. That was so bad. That was an embarrassment. I knew he wasn't going to throw a strike. I knew it wasn't going to be like Bush during the 0-1 World Series, but I figured the catcher would be at least able to catch it. <laughs> so I got into a bouncer de- stand up. I got into a debate with my wife about this. She thinks that we hold first pitches to like too high of a standard in terms of like what we expect like Fauci's an old man we should expect him to do what he just did but I think I think it's I think Bush ruined it for all of us we saw Bush hum that in there and I actually tweeted the other day um when Regis Philbin died RIP to one of the real ones and he threw out the first pitch I don't even know what year it was AJ Burnett was pitching and um he said he was in the booth after and he was like yeah, they told me to go to the front of the mound. That's what they tell you when you throw out the first pitch. I've done it in Staten Island. I've done it in Trenton. And there's always someone who goes, all right, so you'll go to the front of the mound. And both times I was doing videos with stadium meets. So I was just like, yeah, no, I can't do that. That's just not happening. And I just, I, and I told them essentially because at that point I filmed everything leading up to I do the first pitch and I do the review. So I just tell them like, hey, well, I'm just I'm going to do that if you want to throw me out before I get a chance to eat any of the food and do that. Like, that's fine. Like, I don't care, but I'm going, I'm touching right. that rubber. Um, so, you know, I think that maybe we've, we're jaded because we've seen, it's just the, the Bush one is the one that you think of when you think of first pitches. See, I disagree with Emily because I think it, I'm not asking anybody to throw a, a fire strike down the middle, but you can't at least get it to the catcher on a bounce or have him jump and get it. I mean, it wasn't even within 10 feet of the plate. I don't think we're asking for a lot here. Yeah, at the same time, though, I feel good because he's busy doctoring, not working on his pitch. 
Right. You know? <laughs> it shows a commitment. Now, when you did it, you said you threw out a first pitch in the minor leagues. I, Were you feeling the the stress? Was the was the hand slippery? Like, how is that when you're actually out there? Because a lot of people don't know that feeling. So I don't know what you know Fauci's day is like throwing out the first pitch at like the big you know the only thing everyone's watching. Four million people, highest rated regular season game in uh, nine years, I think it was. Yeah, 2011. I'm doing – the first one I did was the Staten Island Yankees. I worked downtown across from the Staten Island Ferry. So it's like I worked – it was a weeknight. I worked a regular day of work. It was like a Thursday probably. Regular day of work. Walked across the street. Got on the ferry. I'm with a buddy, his girlfriend. I'm meeting – you know, my wife's meeting me there. I have a beer on the ferry or two. And then it's like, it's still kind of like close to game time. At the minor leagues, very often, it is not. Could someone quiet that baby down? The people are like that. Yeah. That was just a joke. I'm not abusive. Um, <laughs> Nick, you got to laugh into the microphone. You're laughing away from it. People are going to think I'm abusive. People are just going to think you're a dick, yeah. Um, so I show up to Staten Island one, and they're just like, Great. So you're throwing out the first pitch, and I'm like, yeah, and they're like, we have a couple other people throwing out the first pitch. And I'm like, what does that mean? And it was like the sanitation union. There were, <laughs> there were like 10 people throwing out first pitches. They, Sylvia and Polly there? Yeah, like they went out there together as a group too, and they're like, boom, all in front of the thing. And then, cause I needed it for the video, you can't tell in the video that that happened. Uh, and that was the first time we were, all right, so you're just gonna go to the front. And it's, you know, some college student for the Staten Island Yankees interning. And I was just like, yep, so no chance that that's happening. You can kick me out, though, and I walked away and did it. Um, but you don't have a lot of time to really think about it. My whole thing was just like, it's got to be a strike. It's got to be a strike, got to be a strike. I go to Trenton, same thing. I drive to Trenton. Uh, it's like, I don't know, seven kids <laughs> going before I'm like, I got to go last so there's not a line of kids behind me. Uh, <laughs> but same thing, I threw strikes both times. So and and no not not too much stress. I guess it's a different environment being down in a minor league minor league stadium like that. But for me, my goal would be I just don't want to bounce it. Like if the catcher has to stand up to catch it, that's cool. Strike is cool, little low, little high. But when you got when you're throwing the ball 20 feet away, that's embarrassing. I don't care how old you are. My grandfather just turned 95, and I think he could have made a better toss than that. I sponsor a little league team on City Island through a scholarship fund I run, and the first year we did it, they you know opening day they wanted uh they they were like you want to throw out the first pitch. I was like I don't think it's me. It's in the name of my friend who passed away. So I was like, here, have his dad do it and have his uncle do it, who's like, you know, from the neighborhood. And the dad bounced it. And the uncle, I've never seen him wear sleeves before. He's a fireman, like no sleeves. I thought he he almost threw it through the backstop. Like, so high. I was like, you guys were just so terribly off. I still make fun of my buddy's dad for that now, like a decade later. Over the backstop. It, but no, Thursday, Thursday was solid. There's not a whole lot to complain about. Stanton's home run still hasn't landed. I mean, Stanton's back. Oh, my God. He looks incredible. And he did slim down a little bit. You know what? I think they keep talking about that calf strain really was like the light bulb moment for him where he thought he came in healthy. He thought, you know, he had fixed everything in the offseason. And then, boom, third day at camp, he strained his calf. And maybe that was kind of the epiphany moment for him that we've been waiting for. I mean – and it's, I think the Yankees, we have the worst Twitter in the world, our fan oh, base. Oh, sure. But over the, the weekend, 
it was as if everyone forgot. Like, the reason that you complain about Stan all the time is because we pay him all this money. The reason he gets paid all this money is because he's one of the best baseball players in the world right now. Like, he – uh, yes, last year, there was all injuries. There was nothing to do with talent. The year before that, what, he hit, like, 38 home runs, which was just, you know, not too long ago, would have, you know, lit up the world. The year before that, he had 59 home runs. Like, the guy is one of the best baseball players on planet Earth. And it felt like everyone forgot that until this weekend. They forgot with all the complaining. The reason you're complaining is because we pay him that much money because he's so fucking good. Guess what? It's good time again. Right. You're complaining because the expectations are high. And, and yeah, he's, he's an MVP. He's 30 years old. He's smack dab in the middle of his prime. Like, we are lucky to have this guy. And you see all the idiots every year. How are we going to get rid of Stanton? Or what, you know, would the Dodgers take him? Would whoever take him? This guy is a Yankee and he's here to hit bombs. Like you said, that 480 foot homer or whatever, that's what we're paying him to do. And he looks, it's just a different look. You can see it in the box compared to the last two years. You can see it. It's locked in, like, Instead of the, like, flailing, back foot kicking out, slider down and away, it's like he knows what pitch is coming and where it's coming. You know when you play, like, a video game and it'll – if the guy messes up, it'll light up where it it's going to go? Blinks red, yeah, Like, yeah. that's what he's – that's what it looks like because they're getting out in a hurry. And he doesn't have to lay off of every slider in the dirt, but, like, he's just laying off maybe 60% of those. It makes a huge difference, and you have such a greater chance – for more home runs. And, and the past two years, he, that was his kryptonite. He would go into these funks where he's just constantly flailing at sliders away. And you just see what a presence he is when he's not flailing at those. And then the pitcher has to go over the middle of the plate. And then the ball's landing in the river or whatever. So really cool to see. He looks like a totally different guy. And if you hit that outside corner, he might just line it back to your fucking dome. Right. <laughs> you know? So, he bases loaded single to right, which, you know, he threw it on the outside, and he did a great job of staying with it, didn't try to pull it. It was, it was phenomenal. And that's when you're in trouble with Stanton. Like, as a pitcher, you are in trouble when he starts going opposite way. Because anyone at the major league level can pull a pitch and hit a home run. But when he starts driving it into that power alley, and we saw it last year in the ALDS before he – like, before everything fell apart, the wheels fell off of him. That was, I think, like, the last hit he had. And if you do, when he starts doing that, that means he's really locked in because now he can go everywhere with the ball. And then there's nowhere you could throw it aside from slider off the plate. And if he's not chasing, you are, you got three minutes of pain with bone saw. You are in trouble. You're screwed. And we're not a stats-heavy podcast, but I did see a statistic that he has kind of the greatest jump when after he sees a pitcher for the first time. So remember, 2018, first year in the American League, he's kind of seeing everybody for the first time getting his feet wet. But look, we played the Nationals. He'd already seen Scherzer a bunch of times. He'd already seen Corbin, whoever. So it's a lot easier now. And now that he's going through again and has seen all these guys, he's going to be a different guy. So everybody was really hard on him in 18 19, he had the injuries, but, I mean, he's primed. He could easily win the MVP over this 60-game sprint. I think also, I mean, there's no, I don't know if there's a science behind it, but I believe, you know, baseball's a superstitious sport, and I believe in that kind of stuff, uh, really only when it comes to baseball. But he's got the most career home runs in Nationals Park as a visitor. Starting off there, like, that's great. Let's, you know, take what they'll give you to get running. You know, if they make the schedule in your favor that way, that's what you do. 
Yeah, eat what's in front of your plate. And look, half the teams we're playing are teams in his old division. He was a Marlin. He knows these Phillies guys, these Mets pitchers. He's homered off to Grom, all these guys. So he should he should have a monster stretch here. He's seen our pitchers, obviously, in the AL East. He's seen the NL East guys. There, there's no excuse. He's healthy. I think he's going to continue to rake. I'm sure you'll see him hit a couple of homers in Baltimore, or at least one. Um, Saturday, not as fun. No, no, no. Uh I had thrown this out there yesterday, but, like, let's say, for right now, let's say the season stopped, you know? Does anyone get worse impacted by this whole thing than James Paxson going into a free agency year? And it's just like, dude, you stink. Dude, he looked horrible. Like, I can't trust this guy sitting 91-92. Reminded me a little bit of, like, I, I don't know, when Phil Hughes used to be with us and just not being able to put guys away and getting two strikes on every single hitter but striking out nobody. Because that's what he did. He had two strikes on every just single no hitter. Just no put away. Just doesn't have that, away. that extra, you know, give it to me. Just, right. Yeah. yeah, dude, Paxton at 92, I mean, that there's no value there. It's not like Tanaka where he can kind of survive at 92. And get and crafty. Pa- Paxton at 92, you're fucked. Paxton at 92 is essentially going in the free agency. Like, normal, you end up at 92 after you sign the big deal and it's two years in. And then they're like, well, he really battled without having his stuff. It's what I've said about Tanaka for forever. Like, I'm tired of he battled without, just have your fucking stuff. Have the stuff. <laughs> yeah, just bring the stuff today. And I think that is... I mean, I don't. It's easy to forget in everything that's gone on that, like, we hadn't seen Paxton. We hadn't seen him at all. He Just wasn't in spring, game, right? Yeah. He got, I think he pitched a couple of innings and Judge and Stan both homered off him in that sim game. He looked terrible yeah, even there. And we all just kept going off because we didn't see him in spring training. And then we just kept hearing, like, oh, he's thrown five sessions. You know, we kept hearing, it's like, fuck yeah, he's, you know. We we bought into just the idea that he was throwing was fine. And, like, there is, at this point, I have no reason to believe that we are going to get anything other than what we saw on Saturday. No, yeah, why, why would you be optimistic? The guy's been injured pretty much his entire career. And I don't want to hear about the back surgery excuse. That was in February. It's about to be August this weekend. We're still using that as an excuse. The guy had plenty of time to recover. He's been throwing, I think, since early April. I don't want to hear the, the back surgery excuse. It, it, that and velocity, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that as an excuse. Or, you know, like, it might be a, uh, an excuse, but, like, in a 60-game season, when you're a, uh, in your walk year, I don't give a shit about any excuses. Like, it might be a good excuse, but I just don't care. And, and like, to a certain extent, like, if this is – if everything, you know, they can keep playing the season – and this is what we have. There, well, you give them two more starts, and then it's just like we just gotta walk away, you know, because you can't. There is no let him figure it out with a couple games. We don't have that luxury anymore, especially when we look at. I mean, we're gonna be we're two games behind. Like we're gonna have to make up these games at some point. So you're starting to look at you know double headers at times and things like that. You can't have a guy in the in the mix that's just shitty yeah the leash is going to be a lot shorter and for me going into the season I, I kind of thought Jay Happ would be the one that was going to get pulled early because he sucked last year he's old I was thinking all right two or three bad starts two or three half home run derbies and he's gone but if Paxton's throwing 
91, 92, he could be that guy. And like you said, we don't have time to experiment and wait for him to figure it out. After three or four starts, if you're getting pulled in the second inning, the second inning, we just can't have that, man. The bullpen was taxed, and that's one of the reasons these two games getting canceled – you know, not not that it was good, but our bullpen was absolutely gassed from the weekend. It was essentially two bullpen games in a row. And it looks like, I mean, from what we saw in spring training, you know, Hap has looked better this year. You know, right now, if you told me I had to pick Passing or Hap in a do-or-die game, because that's all that's available, I'm going Hap. Ooh, yeah, oh, that's tough. I, I still might give it to Paxton. Man. Based I'm on what I saw, I'd put you on the mound instead of yeah. Paxton. <laughs> It's tough. You're really, you're really limiting the options. And it's funny because, like, I'd go, you know, Clark Schmidt, I've seen him pitch three times in my life. I would not hesitate to throw him in there. Oh, yeah, obviously. Two. I'm just saying with those two, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he, you know, Clark better be, uh, be getting ready in Scranton because we may need him soon. There's a world where Montgomery ends up as the number two. I think Tanaka still ends up being the number two. Hopefully, but, you know, we've talked about his performance and how he's been pretty average past couple of years. If Paxton bombs and Tanaka has a 4.5, I'm starting Gumby in game two. That's true. That's true. Um, Sunday, ugly win. Uh, you know, we were, we went into it. I mean, well, first of all, we, we also have to talk about on Saturday, we were supposed to see Strasburg. Last second, we don't see Strasburg. So it's not even just like an ugly game. Ugly start on our side. Like, we were, like, I thought, I'm like, wow, we are going to win the first two games and, you know, possibly lose the third because we're going up against Corbin and that's going to be tough. And, hey, if you get these first two, like, that's great. We won a series. We just couldn't get it together in that game. We couldn't, and I think, not that it was a disadvantage, but I think the players finding out so late and having, having prepared for Strasburg, did that throw them off a little bit? I mean, they're so heavy on video preparation and scouting. I'm not sure. They'd obviously never seen this guy before, and, and they're typically not good the first time facing a pitcher. We've seen that for the past 20 years. So might have been overthinking a bit, but the Nationals made, I think, three errors in the first three innings. Like They were trying to give us the game they made early. Two, they made two errors in the first inning, and it was just like, oh, wow. Like It was every like, hey, this guy's not going to get himself in trouble. The team's going to get him in trouble. Let's capitalize. And then it just never happened. You know, it, it just, we couldn't get it done, especially when it, in the first inning when we didn't score. I was just like, this is, this isn't good. You know, this isn't what you want to, uh, it's just not what you want to feel comfortable with. And the, and the Nationals made five errors. They were, and Starlin was booting balls all over the place. They were all, they were all in the infield and the Yankees couldn't use it. Obviously, turning point, I think we were down 3-2, DJ's up, bases loaded, two outs top four. He, he grounds out weakly and we kind of never really threatened from there. But, um, yeah, now that seemed like a very winnable game and it was one of those towards the end of the game, blue pits started falling in for them. Everything started to go wrong. Oh, yeah. Just, run off the pole and you're just like, whatever. If, if it was any other season. And you tell me, what was the date this weekend? I forget. But that was the uh, 25th was Saturday. You tell me that game's happening on July 25th, any other season. I mean, I'm not. I'm done watching in the sixth inning. You know? But because it's like this is game two, it's all we got. Who knows what's going to happen? Like, yeah, no, I'm going to keep watching. Oh, they scored in the seventh? All right. Nope, not turning it off. Like, you know? Cause I it need feels that like fix. football. It feels like football because Saturday night we're one and one. I'm like, oh, we can't start one and two. 
Like it almost feels like you're watching a football season. It's crazy. Kind of, yeah, because you even start to think about like those football, you know, the, the stats they break out all the time of like no team's gone one and three and made the playoffs, you know, and it's like, well, yeah. what's that number for us? Because in a baseball season, I mean, you can start the season 0 and 3, 2 and 4, you know, whatever it is, and still make the playoffs because it's a long season. But with 60 games, you're just not getting that. Exactly. And then we go into Sunday and, and Corbin's working us and, and we're kind of staring one and two in the face. Team looks totally dead. They're making errors. And that's where I started to get worried. But Glaber kind of single-handedly kept them in it. Boy, ties it. And that was a really, really ugly win that I did not see them winning. I was pretty shocked when that game ended and, and we were up. I, I don't know how you felt, but I totally saw them getting walked off or something. I was, oh, well, the ninth inning itself was stressful. I mean, it was when Glaber went deep, I was like, shit, like we got it. Someone could step up here and this could be big. And then, you know, Voight does it. And you're just like, holy shit. Like we're in this shit. We've got this. And next thing you know, it's the ninth inning. You kind of forget we don't have Chapman because, you know, we haven't needed him. Because I was just like, oh, ninth inning, here we go. Oh, shit, he's got coronavirus. You notice it, man. You notice it because Britain does not have the same presence. I know he's a great reliever, but it's just it's just different without Chappie. And I think, you know, if I don't know if it's – like, let's say Aralus Chapman isn't on this team, right? We, we didn't re-sign him. He walked, and Zach Britton is our closer. You probably feel great. But there's just something where you know the team sitting in the other dugout knows that in a perfect world, we've got a different guy in there. Oh, for sure. And they're not scared of Zach Britton. There are major leaguers that are legitimately scared of Aroldis Chapman. It's just not the same. It's not the same intimidation. It's not the same anything. So you definitely you definitely notice it, man, I think. Of course people are afraid. If you told me Aroldis Chapman had a weapon on him, you know, like he just has a razor blade in his back pocket, look, I believe that. On the field? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That guy's ready to murder someone. <laughs> Absolutely ready to murder someone. Yeah, it was um, – but it, it's good to get out of there at one and two. Or two we and escaped. one, sorry. And we got lucky that that guy – I forget if it was Robles or whoever was on second – tried to steal third for – or tried to advance on that pass ball. He overslid the bag and Geo tagged, and that saved us. I mean, yeah, because that was the wild pitch in the ninth inning. Or I don't know if it's wild pitch or pass ball how it was scored, but I was just like fuck Gary because it was like it was a Gary tried to like backhand it instead of like turning his glove out he tried to backhand it and it was like that's a for a guy who's been working on his defense so much that's a lazy move as a catcher he's got to catch that ball and I defend Gary all the time but that ball's got to be caught and it's weird because he didn't even start that game. Higgy started, and I think he Gary pinch hit in like the eighth inning. Yeah. So they let it, left him in to catch. So the whole thing was kind of bizarre, but definitely felt like an escape, escape win. Like we were lucky to get out of there two and one, considering the run differential and, and how we played. Yeah, I, but like you said, you eat what's on your plate, and we got the world champions. Doesn't matter. They put them on the schedule. We don't make their lineup card. We went in there. We won it. We won two of them. I think we coughed one up. But my thing has always been, you win series, you win divisions, you win pennants, you win championships. It just goes in that order. You just have to win series. You just go out there and win series, you're going to get in the playoffs. You win enough series, you're going to be in a division. You know, you're going to win a pennant, you win a World Series. 
especially this year with every team and their mother getting in and, and kind of the way that you, you know, I remember you saying you really wanted the Cubs in terms of interleague and the schedule. I really wanted the Phillies being that I grew up here. I got a bunch of friends that are Phillies fans. We all talk a lot of shit. I was ready to beat up on Jake Arrieta and Zach Eflin. I was looking at those pitching matchups like, ooh, we're going to take at least three, you know, I in a four-game sweep. So kind of sucks not getting to play Philly. So I think, you know, next year the Yankees come – to Philly, which is nice for us. And now I have friends from college, you know, who are Phillies fans. Um, you know, people I've met who are, are Phillies fans. I've never really had like a ton of like baseball friends, like friends who like who just like love baseball the way that I do. What is it like? Was there shit talk with between like you know you and your boys and your text chains for these, these series that are that are not happening right now, but were supposed to happen? Like, is it the same? Yeah. Even yeah, you can't we were go. just going through the – it wasn't even like shit talking, but just talking like, all right, so Monday it will be this matchup and Tuesday it will be this matchup and what do, you, what do you think of this? Like we just talk and it would have been fun to have the series and obviously afterwards, assuming we took at least three, I was going to – that's when I would have been talking shit. And the other kind of crutch that we have is even if they would have beaten us in that series, I can still go back and say, oh, oh nine, you know, we beat you when it counted. So it was kind of a win-win situation. For me, that's why I was looking forward to it. It had just like a, a bit of a different feel because we couldn't go to the games. Like normally we'd go to the games with our friends. You know, it'd be like, oh, we're all getting tickets. We're going to talk shit, you know. So that was kind of weird. But we don't have to worry about that because that shit did not happen. So you ready to dive into the ugliness of professional baseball? I'm ready. That was a fun 31 minutes. Dude, I was so excited about baseball. Like, I really, I can honestly tell you that I was. Because it had, you know, I've been so angry. I, honestly, I'm just, I'm angry with the world. I'm angry with the way we've handled this stuff. I'm angry with the way just we treat each other in society and, and all that stuff. I'm where I, I, you know, and baseball, it really was like what it's always been for me. It's always been the good thing. And we've made it a weekend. But first, let's do some ads. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction. But every item starts at $0 and only goes up $0.01 cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction, the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. And that means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item's yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use promo code GEORGE. Or deal-fm backslash George. That's deal-fm backslash George. So go check out Deal-Dash. They're a new sponsor for us. I've heard good things about them. I've seen commercials. People winning laptops for very cheap. If you're, you know, we're all out there. We're trying to gamble. We're bored in the house. We're trying to play the stock market. People are losing their shirt on that. Go out there, win yourself, I don't know, an iPhone, a laptop, a video camera. Do whatever. Do whatever you got to do. But if you don't want to bet on that, sports are coming back. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. 
Major League Baseball is finally kicking off. Eh. And there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. With the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Ory. Robert Ory won so many championships, man. Big shot, Bob. See what the, see what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So if you want to go listen to the person who was number two in the line of, why are you on the field for Derek Jeter's retirement ceremony? Harold Reynolds is there. Gerald Williams in bootcut jeans is number one still. But Harold Reynolds, why are you there? Go check out Bet Online. Go bet on some stuff. Win some money. Buy your girlfriend something nice. Um, all right. Let's get into it. I didn't have to make notes for this half of the show. So baseball started on Thursday, and they started on Friday. And on Saturday, four members of the – Florida Marlins. Well, actually, first it even goes back to Friday on opening day. What's wrong? I'm good. Oh, you pointed at me. I thought like something. something uh, no, yeah. No. On Friday, news broke that the Atlanta Braves would be without their two catchers on their roster because they had tested positive for COVID. So they were calling up two guys from their alternate site. The Marlins had played on, I believe, Wednesday an exhibition game in Atlanta. The Marlins then went to Philly to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and there was a rumor that I do not know if it's true that on Wednesday night they may have attended a gentleman's club in Atlanta. That better not be true. Which, if they did, is like, I don't, firing squad? Is that what we're doing here? Firing squad? Lethal injection? It's... Insane if they did that. I hope they didn't. I hope they didn't because I will have lost so much faith in, like, society. You know, you can't go in the strip club and not get a cold. What the hell are you doing during a pandemic? Seeing some masked right. up titties? Yeah, real excited. I mean, if we, it's one thing to not be able to depend on the guy down the street, but to not be able to depend on the actual players is just fucking depressing. But. Yeah. So they went to Philly, regular testing. They find out on Saturday, maybe after the game, that four players of Florida Marlins tested positive for COVID. The team was notified this, and on Sunday, the players were given this information and given the option to decide if they wanted to play on Sunday against the Phillies, which they did. They play the game. No one knows about all this. They win. They're a first-place team, the first-place Florida Marlins. <laughs> and they – the news starts to break that the Marlins are not leaving Philly on Sunday because they had some people testing positive. There's a potential risk of more people being positive. But it was at first spun almost as – we're not going to send them home to their families. 
That's how Mattingly put it. We're, we're going to fly in. We're going to go straight to the stadium. Then we can figure out. Give us more time to kind of figure out. But if there is a risk, what are you going to do? You send these guys home to their wife and kids, you know, maybe get them sick. So we're going to stay here for the night. The Yankees come into town. So now the Phillies, the Marlins, and the Yankees are all here in Philly, hanging out at hotels. Uh, word comes out on Monday that I think seven more players – and a couple of coaches have now tested positive. So the Marlins, and I, I found out because the Marlins canceled their charter flight. So they're not going to Miami. The Orioles have flown to Miami and are just sitting there with their thumbs up their asses. Um, and then it becomes a concern of, is the locker room safe for the Yankees to go into? Are the Phillies safe to be around? So all of a sudden... The Marlins game is canceled for Monday. The Yankees game is canceled for Monday. We don't know what's happening. The Marlins game for Tuesday then gets canceled. The Yankees game for Tuesday gets canceled. The Nationals, then uh, it breaks today. The Nationals had a vote similar to the Marlins and say, we are not going to Miami this weekend. We're just not doing it. Now, the league can force them, whatever that means, but you can't make grown men get on a plane uh, if they're not going to. So they say, we're not going to play them. The league decides that the Marlins are shut down until Monday. So they are missing one week of games, six games. Um, the Orioles can come home from Miami, so they fly back to Baltimore. The Yankees still sitting in Philly. Uh, with the idea that they were going to go home earlier today, practice at Yankee Stadium t- this evening. The Nationals were going to play their, uh, I forget who they're playing. I have the schedules pulled up somewhere here. But either way, they're going to play their games, and then they will have the weekend off. So the Nationals are playing Toronto. Yeah, yeah. so they're playing home-and-home home Toronto, so they're staying home the whole time. They are then off until Tuesday when they will play the Mets at home. The wait, Toronto's I'm, wait, Toronto's not playing Philly this weekend. Oh, I so I'm not there yet. Oh, okay, okay. I'm I not there yet. next Tuesday. Okay, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, I'm following. No, they're playing the Nationals are playing the Blue Jays now, and Got they're it. just okay. staying in Washington for four days. A lot, lot of teams here to keep track of. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I have five schedules pulled up here. Um, the Orioles flew back to Baltimore. They are now, the Yankees, instead of going to New York, are now going down to Baltimore, going to play Wednesday and Thursday there, then go back to New York to play the Red Sox for three games, then possibly go back to Baltimore to play three more games, because that's what the schedule says. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. We got two extra Orioles games out of this. Not necessarily, because we're playing them, but they may shift, say, when we're supposed to go to Baltimore Labor Day weekend and say, now you're not doing that, you're going to Philly. Ah, I didn't even think but of that. But who do the Phillies play on Labor Day weekend? The Phillies play the Mets, so they have to play those games. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare of scheduling. Um, and I don't know how to... 
I don't know how they decide the schedule. I'm not the expert in that at all. But I don't maybe there's a way to build in like the NFL always does that. Like everyone in week one has the same bye week. Like they always do that in case there's a hurricane or something like that. Yeah, you gotta look at mutual off days and obviously I haven't dove into any of that, but you gotta just kind of embrace the chaos. It's not gonna be a normal everybody plays the same amount of games and the same amount of travel. It's gonna be chaotic and there's no better team to handle the chaos than us, baby. Most rainouts, most IL stints. We're no, ready. No. There is no fan more built to handle chaos than you. <laughs> as long as they throw a baseball, that's all you give a shit about. But the idea that they are going to not all play the same amount of games to me, makes this season, it's it's an irrelevancy. It's not a season. If, dude, if we play 58 and other teams play 60 and we go 40 and 18, like, we deserve it. We, uh, game here, game there. We're talking – Especially against NL teams. Who you're cares ta- about our series against the Phillies? You're talking about the top of the, the pecking order. What about that – I can't believe I'm fucking saying this – those seven and eight spots. Or what about, okay, you're heading into this first round, right? The first round of playoffs, eight teams. Mm-hmm. The top four seeds get to host all three games in the series. What if it's the four or five haven't played the same amount of games and it goes to winning percentage? And it's just like, well, you had the, you and the four seed have a slightly better winning percentage than us, but you had two less games. If you were to lose those games, you would be less than us. Yeah, sorry, life's not fair. I don't know what to tell him. <laughs> I think it's, I, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's I, not ideal, but you got to play ball. This is it. This is what we're dealing with. This is the reality. Cashman even said, "Look, we signed up for this. Tell us where and when, and we'll play tomorrow night." And that's what they're going to do. And I like that. I like that attitude. You know, I respect. What do you think about the Mar- the Nationals just saying, like, "Hey, we're not going to Miami." I respect it. I respect not going to Florida. I get it. Like the Florida thing, I get it. It's a it's a hotbed. Nobody wants to go there. If we don't want to go play the Rays, I get it. But everything else, you gotta just go. You gotta roll with it. The weird thing is because we we're all obviously gonna poke fun at Florida, but <laughs> they didn't get it in Florida. <laughs> like they got it in Atlanta, which is another hot spot. But it's just kind of funny that it, of course it's a Florida team, but they didn't get it in Florida, and they may have gotten it in a strip club, which would be very Florida though. Oh, definitely. And and it's everybody's saying, well, the players decided. But, like, Jeter had to be looped in, right? On Sunday, it wasn't just, like, the players saying, all right, we'll do this. Like, they had to – Mattingly and Jeter had to be looped in, I would think. It sounds like the – so, I think very similar to the um, – you know, if you're the, the president, everything falls on you. I'm rewatching West Wing right now, and they're like, you know – they lost a submarine for a couple hours, and they're like, you lost a submarine. And he's like, yeah, I did, even though he's, you know, thousands of miles away. Um, yeah, I think it does. It goes up to ownership, unfortunately. This is probably the first time I'll ever say anything bad about Derek Jeter. But it's one of those things where, as an organization, before Derek Jeter and now with Derek Jeter, it does seem like a little bit of institutional chaos. Um, the I don't know what the – you know, I haven't read the 101-page uh, you know, booklet. But there's got to be something in there where it's like, yo, four guys test. You don't ask the players who have been conditioned their entire lives to just play if they are going to play or sit out in the middle of the first series. 
Obviously. They had to have broken protocol, and if they didn't, then there's a huge problem with that rule book that I didn't read, you didn't read, whatever, but so, something somewhere got messed up. I just think, like, if you get, especially when you look at the Marlins roster, which I don't even know who the hell's on it, you've probably got a lot of guys not making a lot of money. They're trying to get paid as much as they can get paid, which is, you know, what this season's about for everyone. Of course they're going to say yes and take another game check. You can't right, put it yeah, in that position. Right. If you put them in that position, you can't expect anything other than what happened. Yeah, you can't leave it up to them. And I'm, I mean, they were down. The weird thing that nobody's really talking about, and I guess it doesn't matter, but they were down four nothing in the first inning with twelve guys out to COVID or whatever. And they came back and won. Like it's pretty impressive on the road. No, those guys weren't out yet. Guys played. So it was the four guys that were out. Yeah, they had four guys okay. out. Still, it was impressive. I mean, I still thought that was impressive, but neither here nor there. So now I think we're, um, I think we're at the point where they only have. I think they have like fourteen players that have it. Like half their roster has it. And you hear, you see tweets that like they're looking for MLB quality talent that's just available like on the street. What? <laughs> what? You afraid? Like might as well, you know. Well, you get treasure, Trevor Plouffe. See if John Boyle let him out of his deal. They, but dude, they got their own farm system. I guess they can't call a single A guy up, but you got guys in double A, triple A. Why don't you look there first as opposed to looking on the streets of Miami? Yeah, I mean, like I don't even know where you like start that hunt. Is it guys who were, you know, non roster invite? Do you get every non roster invitee that didn't make the a team? Just be like, yo. You're right to the major leagues, or a guy who maybe like just announced his retirement, you know, because like, ah, eh, it doesn't look like I'm gonna make it, so I'm retired. Just like, you want to just go straight back to the bigs? I'm sure they get a list. Like when I was in college, I remember we were doing Russian stuff for recruiting. You would get a list of any guy that signed up to rush but like didn't get a bid or whatever. Like you get like a master list. So I'm sure they get a list like that, you know, of, of non-roster invitees. I remember there was a draft and there were only five rounds. So maybe there's extra guys there. I, I don't know, but I mean, you're gonna start signing signing undrafted free agents right to the big leagues for twenty thousand dollars. I guess I don't know what they're gonna do. I mean, they have the sixty man. They got the sixty man player pool. Look, the Marlins weren't gonna compete anyway. This does not they're first place team. They're, they're supposed to play the Orioles. The table, man. They're supposed to play the Orioles. They're supposed to play the Orioles in a matchup of first place teams. <laughs> the first doesn't place. matter. Yeah, I mean, it is well. There is the argument that I've made that, like, some team can just be young and dumb enough to, you know, make it. But, like, when you take half a roster, no, you can't, you know. And it was never going to be them anyway. I mean, we talked about maybe the Blue Jays, maybe the Angels. I, I, I didn't hear anything about the Marlins doing that. I think, but, and I do think MLB would be maybe handling this differently if it was us or the Dodgers that this happened to. But because it's the Marlins, it's like, eh, no one really gives a fuck. I think a lot of people give a fuck. So where do you, so all right, Mister Optimism, where? What is your confidence level right now, one to ten, that this season finishes at however many games people end up playing, and we have a playoffs and we have a champion? Eight. 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 Wow! Only that's... only Marlins have tested positive so far since the regular season started. Nobody from the other 29 teams. That's encouraging to me. 
Haven't seen it yet. Now, look, if 10 Phillies players text positive next week after the incubation period or whatever, maybe I'll be singing a different tune. But as of now, no other teams have it. Get get the Marlins the fuck out of here or whatever, and, and let's keep it rolling. Like 10% chance. Like <laughs> 10% chance. Because you also, we were even going to get started either, though. So Yeah, but now with guys – You've got a team that got on the plane and went to Atlanta. They got on the plane. They went to Philly, and then it happened. Now we're getting guys on planes, trains, and automobiles. Not everyone's just at home where they have – you know, all along I've said the longer we get into this, the more lax people get in their day-to-day activities. And it's you a concern. You talk about that, but you also talked about how much money is at stake, at stake and how much of a disaster. Like this would have to happen, I think, to like 10 or 15 teams for Manfred to pull the plug. He is going to do everything in his power to finish the season because, like you said, money, money, money. Manfred has said if one team is non-competitive as a result of the virus, they have to look at ending the season. Marlins are already non-competitive. <laughs> that's why I said because of the virus. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, yeah, it's day by day, man. I'm trying to enjoy. I, like, I know there's a chance it doesn't finish, but like, I'm I'm excited for tomorrow night. I'm trying to enjoy every game that we can. It almost feels like every game is a gift, as, as corny as that sounds. It is. So, I, I, so I've also thought about. Um, I've thought about that. What if this was uh, the Brewers? You know, it didn't, or it was even someone else in the East where it just didn't impact us. Like, we haven't missed. Two days of two nights of baseball. I think I'd feel a lot different about it, but like, it's impacting us, and that's why it's like this sucks even more. It's funny you brought up a point. That's what I was going to use to kind of argue with you is we wouldn't even be talking about this if we were one of the other twenty six teams. I I might not have even noticed, you but because would, it's us, would, you would have noticed. You <laughs> yeah, lying a little bit there, liar. but two games. We'll be back at it tomorrow. You know, I'm, I'm going to have faith that they can kind of kind of keep this under control now. Football, do I think football is going to happen? No. I mean, I'm not, I'm not blind to the entire world, but I think, like in baseball, look, if none of these Phillies got infected from all these Marlins guys having it, if, if no positive cases come up there, that's a sign of optimism for me. That would be big. I, I think that would be very big in terms of comfort. I think it also isn't great that uh, Davey Martinez is saying, you know, flat out just says, like, I, I don't – it's not great that we have to hear it. It's not that it's, it's bad that he's saying it because he's every right to say it, that he's just like, yo, I'm scared. You know, he had a heart condition last year, and he was like, I'm scared. Uh, there's a, a little bit of me that is surprised we haven't heard of more of players deciding to opt out. We're starting to hear it in, in the NFL, but this hasn't scared anyone fully off yet. David Price uh, criticized the league and said, you know, you've said that health and safety is, you know, paramount. Like, let's see it now. What do you actually have planned? And I get it. You know, this happens as dramatic as it has, as quickly as it has. Maybe you don't have a perfect plan, but it really feels like they're flying by the seat of their pants in terms of, uh, you know, strategery on this. They they are kind of winging it. Obviously, it's not perfect. But I, I do have a problem where I feel like there are a lot of fans out there, Yankee fans, non-Yankee fans, that are rooting for the season to get canceled. It's like, oh, Joe Dickfuck on the Rockies opted out, so the season's definitely not going to happen now. It's like they're kind of like how you said, how you've talked about there are fans that want to be the first team to say we're going to lose or the first first yeah. fan to give up. Like it, it seems like there are way too many fans acting like that with COVID where they're rooting for the season to get canceled so they can be right. And that really pisses me off. 
my thing has just always been, you know, Joey Joey Fuck Dick from the Rockies opts out. Who cares? But enough of them do it. Like Mike Trout's not going to be the last guy standing there, you know, and he's supposed to be the best player in baseball. So. Yeah, and I think you're you're you know a little bit on the fence about whether it's going to happen, but I can tell you're rooting for a season to be played. You want to see the Yankees I finish and watch some baseball tonight, man. I wanted to hang out yeah. with you. I was I'll be honest, I was hoping for a rain out on Thursday because if they rained out on Thursday and played on Friday, we were going to invite you and Jamie over for dinner. I was going to barbecue, we were going to get to like see other people. Oh, that would have been nice. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't want to put the idea of a rain out in your head and like prematurely invite you because I didn't want you to get all down in the dumps. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you are also you've become the like favorite Twitter follow in my household. Like my wife loves it. My wife is just like Nick is the best. You know, Glaber Torres tweets like, "Oh, I got traded to the Yankees four years ago today," and you're just replying like, "I love you, man," or whatever it is. She's just like, "He's the best." He's just optimistic about everything. You're a ray of sunshine in our lives. I'm, I'm glad I can contribute, man. I, I love my guys, the guys, whatever. They're your guys, man. Um. So on the other side of the testing. Uh, well, it's not really the other side, but another thing, I mean, we ran into it uh, and we lucked out from it, but Juan Soto, right before the opener, we get where he tested positive, so now he's got to enter, you know, their system at the same time. So there are different types of tests. So there's rapid tests that are not the official league test. There's the official league test gets sent somewhere. 24, 48 hours, you get the results. There's a rapid, like, five-minute test. Apparently, there are uh, too many false positives, false negatives for that to be, like, the deciding thing. But he tests negative. Uh, he tests positive. They give him three rapid tests, and they're all negative. And now he's gotten – he's taken three more, all negative. He's taken official tests that have come back negative. You need two in the 24 hours apart. Takes another one, comes back positive. Takes another one, comes back negative. So he's kind of losing his shit. Um, and, you know, people are saying he's very frustrated. The Nationals are getting very frustrated. Maybe that pulls, you know, plays into them being like, oh, we're not getting on a plane. You know, we can't even have our best guy because of this, you know, screwy testing. We're not getting on the plane. Um, it's going to be interesting because he's, you know, he really in the playoffs last year, obviously been a good baseball player for a bit. But he became a star in the playoffs last year. You know, everyone was looking at him, grabbing his dick, staring down pitchers. Bat flipping. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it was as much as I didn't want to face him, like it stunk to not see him because, you know, you want to see the best players play in general. I don't want to see him play the Yankees, but you want to see them play when you get the opportunity to. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And if that starts hitting other players, like if it's Joey fuck dick, or, you know, whatever, no one really cares. Juan Soto, you know, you get more eyes on that situation. That's a point. He's a big name, and he's one of these young, not not flamboyant, but like, you know, personality, energetic guys that's kind of growing the game, and, and people want to tune in and watch. And you think about it, we're playing the defending champs, but Rendon left. He was their second-best position player, and then Soto couldn't play. He's He's their best position player, so it's like, oh, well, they're missing their two best position players. It was a very weakened lineup where you have Starlin Castro hitting third, and it got way easier for us. But, yeah, no, I wanted to see Soto, too. I mean, it seems like he could be back any day now. I mean, it sounds like to them they want to know, like, why he why he was gone at all. 
and a couple more of those, that's going to be an issue. And I just kind of, you know, I point out these things. It's not because I want them to happen, but like we should all be realistic and measure our expectations. Or, you know, I don't know. I don't think anyone from Major League Baseball is listening to this and be like, ah, you know what? JJ pointed out some good things we should be thinking about. But like, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe someone knows someone. Maybe. And you got to wonder if Chappie's maybe going through something similar now. We haven't heard anything. Yeah, nothing on him. I mean, did, could he have had a negative test and then a positive test? Because like you said, you need two two negatives in 24 hours. And I know he's been working out, itching to get back. So it's got to be – and these tests aren't fun to take either. It can't be fun. No, I think it's like – I mean, it's a swab like in your nose. I think there, there are mm-hmm. spit tests. There's swabs in your nose. I don't – like, I haven't been tested. I don't want that shit. <laughs> like, I don't want anything no. on my nose. Fucking terrible. Um. Yeah, it's I don't know. It you hope it um you hope that they can figure it out. Whether it is the league does something because a lot of people were complaining then this is this is why the NBA is in a bubble, the NHL is in a bubble. And the NBA aside from like players leaving for, you know, one wants to go get wings and any you know um Zion had a family thing. He comes back. Uh, Lou Williams goes to a funeral in uh, Atlanta, and then Jack Harlow posts a selfie with him in Magic City, which is, you know, <laughs> honestly, like, let's blow that picture up. Are there any Marlins in the background of that? Right. You know? <laughs> right. It's in Florida. So it's going to be – so they were never going to bubble. The Major League Baseball cannot bubble because you are looking at the NBA – did not bring all the teams to Orlando, and they have rosters of like 12, 14, something like that. Major League Baseball is carrying 30-man rosters with another 30 backup guys, far more equipment and shit like that. You just cannot create – like from a logistical standpoint, at the time that they were talking about the bubble at first, we didn't know how big this like virus was. I just don't think there was ever any way they could really do the bubble with the way – what we've learned baseball. about it. Yeah. You can pack a bunch of basketball players in a gym, like a giant gym, and have four games going on at once. You, know, you see that in high school. You can't do that in baseball with fields. Now, the one place that I thought about, I don't know, I used to play in high school. We had a couple of games where we'd go to the Ripken Complex, and I think there's like five or six fields. So I thought about that a little bit, but, I mean, Arizona and Florida, it's just way too hot. That was never going to happen. Yeah, well, I think that there's also you can bring in – the training tables and stuff for the players when you've got like these convention centers in Orlando that is just like, Hey, you can get like your own space. I think finding the amount of space to get baseball players, what they need to go out and play every single day is, is just tough to do anywhere. And like, maybe there is somewhere where it's like a couple of bubbles, but also you've got to think about like broadcasting. Like you could probably find somewhere with like six baseball fields in the middle of nowhere and just play it like in Iowa but you can't get the broadcast going or, you know, it, it just wouldn't work out. Can't do the broadcast. And remember, they need batting cages at all these places. Like there are facilities that we, we don't back see there at Yeah. Yeah, right. So, yeah, the bubble is never going to work. And, and the two places they talked about were obviously way too hot. So basketball is a completely different game. And that's one of the reasons I think football is not going to work out is because they're all up in each other's grill every single play and they can't bubble either. Um, baseball, you're a little bit more spread out, and that's why I think we have a chance. So the other thing with the Marlins thing is uh, Miguel Rojas, who's their shortstop. He's, I guess, like the captain, leader of the team. 
he did get pointed to as um, the guy who was like who really pushed over the edge, like we should play, and then he tested positive today. <laughs> so it's Not like good. to a certain extent. I, I think there's a problem with this whole thing, how we've handled it as a country, is we're not listening to medical experts. We're worried about money, you know, and things like that, where, you know, maybe there's a way to do it safer. But I don't know what it is. Um, hopefully the league tightens up, the teams tighten up, or just the players realize, like, hey, it tightens up. Because there's, what was it, Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, for the Red Sox. Yeah, he's got the heart thing. He's got heart problems now. Cause yeah. So, like, that's the other thing. People are like, they should just shut up and play. You've got a less than 1% chance of dying. It's not live or die. There's a lot of in between. You know? I don't know. I guess the last, like, negative, well, not negative thing. Well, yeah, it's negative. Is um, Aaron Hicks and Giancarlo Stanton kneel during the national anthem. And our Facebook comments are... <laughs> Do you ever read them? I, I did this time. It's got to be some big, but it was it was a total. Joke, it's man. not even like it's not even just on on any post. It's like I am done with the Yankees. Like all these long things. We got um. So like I'm an admin on the Bronx Pinterest Facebook. We got messages from people, just like the private. Like you are now just messaging a website to let us know that you are renouncing your fandom. It was hilarious. They were coming in all day. Like, I get a pop-up on Facebook, and it was just like, I am done with this team. I've been supporting them since 1963. <laughs> it's so funny. Scott and Andrew got an email from a guy who was just like, "We're uh, just so you know, I won't be listening anymore because I don't like baseball anymore. Crazy. Players are kneeling all over the place. We knew it was coming. I said, we, you know, because we'd be the first sport back that it was going to happen. And it is insane how much people are like, I'm done with the Yankees because of this. Yeah, in the words of Michael K, see ya. And the other thing is they didn't even kneel during the anthem. They the, kneeled before, and then they all stood for the anthem. They kneeled. On uh, Thursday. On, on on Saturday, Hicks and Stanton kneeled. Yes, during, okay, Saturday. Yeah. But Thursday, people, like Rudy Giuliani tweeted, like, oh, the Yankees yeah, kneeled during Rudy the Rudy Giuliani anthem. is the fuck his cousin, all right? Fuck Rudy <laughs> Dude, Giuliani. He is so Dude was all right after 9-11. He's a fucking scumbag. Fuck that guy. He peaked. Peaked yeah. 20 years ago. Dude, good riddance to those people. You're not going to watch. And, and I think Lindsay Adler had a tweet. It's like, well, you're going to miss a fun season. Yeah. You know, see ya. We don't need you. We have enough fans. So on the other side, though, uh, during a press conference, I believe it was on Thursday. It was right before the season started, right before opening day. Uh, Donald Trump announced that he had been invited to throw out the first pitch on August 15th at Yankee Stadium. And that caused, you know, the other side. To be up in arms. How could the Yankees invite him? All this stuff. I got an email. I don't know how I'm even on this list. Or from the Bronx Borough president uh, of just like, you know, the Yankees cannot do this, da, 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 all this stuff. Um, turns out it just never happened. He went up there, was doing a press conference. Fauci getting all this like press, got on his nerves. And so he just said, the Yankees invited me, picked August 15th, said August 15th. Had not said anything to his team about it. Had not talked to the Yankees about it. The Yankees, being a classy organization, didn't immediately be like, what the fuck is going on here? Because the Steinburners have a relationship with him. How uh, Randy Levine has a relationship with him. It turns out that Randy Levine told Donald Trump, just let us know when you want to come throw out the first pitch. Throw out the first pitch. We don't know if that was last week, last year, or ten years ago when The Apprentice was on. And it's just a standing open, you know. 
And so he said it. And then his team afterwards was like, well, what the hell are you talking about? He's like, well, they said I could do it whenever I want, like figure it out. And they're like, Mr. President, we have an obligation on August 15th. Like you don't, we have something going on. Like you can't, you can't do it. So then he let everyone know he was too busy. And then it came out afterwards, all of this. So it's been an interesting political week around the Yankees. Yeah, and I think I tweeted about some like whether you're upset about either one, then just don't watch. I don't care what they do before the game. I don't care who throws out the first pitch. I just want to watch the guys play. And if you know the Yankees and you know the Steinbrenner family, they've had a relationship with the Trump family for probably, what, 40 years? I mean, there yeah. are pictures from the yeah. 80s of him at Yankee Stadium. So this isn't anything new. And I'm sure he does have a standing offer probably, I don't know. 2017, 2018. I would think it'd be some point after he was elected. That looked no, see, I think it's. I think it's uh, more likely that it's before. Interesting. Okay, so you're because Levine met with him right after he got elected president. They made a big thing at you know talking. So about maybe, maybe yeah. after that. But I see it as a like, hey, you know, you want to come do it, you know, come over. You want to have a beer? Come over to the house sometime, kind of thing. Yeah, and then no, he announced to the world that he was going to have a beer. Yeah, yeah, it could have been a vague. I one, think the but, offer yeah. was real. I think the offer is very real. If you're the pre- if you're the president, you can throw out the first pitch anywhere you want, whenever you want. You know, it's the same thing. Barstool got a lot of shit this week for interviewing him. Uh, if you get an offer to sit down with the president of the United States, no matter who it is, you sit down with the president of the United States. That's just how it is. Hundred percent. But I don't think Randy Levine was like, ah, there's protests going on everywhere <laughs> all the major cities are on fire why don't you come throw out this first pitch i agree with you i do not think randy levine had this season or this month in mind yeah it's a so, read the room donnie people were people were pissed and we do actually have a question uh, okay today that we wanted to get answered so this is from uh your mother at nnn newman do Gary's defensive hiccups as of late worry you guys, or are we just writing it off as being early in the season? You can answer first. I I want to write it off as an early in the season. The problem is there is no such thing as early in the season this year. You know, so I mean, there's nothing we can do about it. Like he's the guy; he's the best offensive catcher in baseball. And if he stays in the, you know, if he's in the top half of defensive catchers, like well, you'll take it. That's a great situation if he can. Um, you know, throw guys out ceiling, keep guys off the bases. Like, that's amazing. That's really where his value is. It's never really been his glove. It's been the arm. It's been the bat, which is, you know, it's never been his speed. You know, we understand that he's a three-tool player. But that one, that pass ball in the ninth inning, that was just, it was lazy. And that's, you do that with no one on up by five in the ninth inning. And you've got fucking Holder out there closing up a game. Yeah, no, I agree. And and to answer the question for me, I'm I was more concerned about the offense. I mean, he struck out pretty much every at bat, and he's a really streaky guy. Where he's a guy that could win an MVP over sixty games, like when he came up and hit twenty homers in forty nine games or whatever it was in sixteen. I'm much more concerned about his offense. And are we going to get you know blazing hot Gary for sixty games? Or are we going to get twenty eighteen lost Gary? For 60 games, that that's what I'm more concerned about is, is the offense. I think you're going to see a few pass balls. You're going to see some great putouts, throwing guys out at second and third, kind of like you saw. Also, but I'm more concerned about the offense right now. I want to see some bombs at him this week. Yeah, I mean he, he's 0 for 8. He's got five strikeouts. It's not great. It's that. It's just his bat's not a thing that I can worry about after three games. 
Um, two of them against, you know, really good starters. Uh, I, you know, well, he didn't even really, he didn't face Corbin, but still, I can't, you know, I can't get too worried about that because that's the same as being like, well, you know, is Tyler Wade going to bet a thousand this year? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's two for two. Yeah. You know, is Stanton batting 400? I think it's too early to worry about that. I think water does find its level. Um, I don't think he, I don't think Gary will cost us games at the plate, but I, you know, I can see him costing us games defensively is the problem. We'll have to see, but you know, he's such a streaky player. You worry about his impact over 60. Uh, we sweep in Baltimore or you have to, you have to, who's even on this team? Uh, Hanser Alberto, I think. Who the fuck is that? (laughs) I have no idea who that is. You asked me who was on the team. It's the first name that popped into my head. John Means is a pitcher. Like, yeah, I mean, what are, you know, what am I even worried about there? Who, because I remember I went last year to opening day. We opened against the Orioles. And if it wasn't for uh, Trey Mancini, I would have no idea what team we were playing. Like, it was the only name in the lineup I knew. Yeah, it is a bunch of no-namers. But, yeah, we should should sweep it. We should be 4-1 and one going into the Boston series and should be, you know, God willing, in a really good place the next time we, we pick up the show next week. Wade LeBlanc. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Alex Cobb is yeah. a star for them, I want to say, still. He, he is. So. He, he, him and Wade LeBlanc got wins in Boston. But Dude, how, that was great. Chris Davis. I mean, Chris Davis oh, fucking stinks. Right. Yeah, he's still on the team. Just getting paid. Like, I don't – none of their outfielders. I don't know these motherfuckers at all. He drafted that catcher number one overall like a the year two, or two ago. I'm oh, sure my gosh. He'll be up – he should be up soon. Oh, I yeah. Think. I mean, my the buddy – catching prospect ever. Whatever. My buddy RDT, like, is trying to suck this young boy off the way he tweets <laughs> about him. I'm like, dude, we're talking about an 18-year-old kid who's, like, years away from making it to any major league team aside from yours. <laughs> <laughs> like – what are we talking about? And you draft him as a catcher and you're keeping him at catcher? That's weird. That never happens. You know, like, yeah, Matt Wieters. That was their old... Uh, yeah, but like, you know, you look at like Bryce Harper was a catcher. A lot of times, like, you move those guys out from behind the plate if it's like, if you're so good offensively, let's get, you yeah, know, if you're... We just drafted a catcher last month. He's never going to catch for us. Austin Wells. Yeah. No. <laughs> he's just trying to hit home runs to right field at Yankee Stadium. Damn right. Yeah. Well... I mean, who knows a week from now what's going to be happening? Uh, you know, maybe everything's fine. I hope it is. Maybe there's a plan that they have. But I'm looking forward to catching up. We'll be seven and three. I'm looking ahead to the next series or whatever. I'll tell you what, though, if something big like this happens and Rob Manford waits till six thirty to say something, I'm gonna fucking fist fight him on Park Avenue because that was another thing where it's like, dude, t- anything, league, say anything. Like that's. I'm not gonna stop watching baseball. I'm not gonna stop going to games. But you are going to lose people who are just like, what the fuck is going on here? They'll just be like, you know what? These guys don't know what's going on. I'm just going to start doing any other thing. And then that becomes your hobby. Yeah, it's the bubble people. We're we're so far sucked in that we'll never be able to, <laughs> like, like you said, I'm addicted. But the bubble people, you'd lose them. Yes, you do. Well, you could follow Nick on Twitter. At NKirbyNYY. Just set up, listen, follow Nick. And then just set alerts for his tweets for one week. And just, it's so much fun because sometimes it's like, oh, here's Nick's tweet. And it's like an original tweet. Um, but sometimes it's just a reply and it's just like, you're the man. And you're just like, I'm so curious who this is going to be. 
I think you told Tanaka you love him the other day. Yes, I've done that before. It's him great. Labor. I could probably find, in your replies to Yankees, I could probably find the exact same tweets from, like, Teenage Girls to Justin Bieber. <laughs> and it's great. It's great. It's an obsession, and I love it. Follow me on Twitter, at JJ from the Bronx. Follow me on Instagram. Follow the show, at George's Box Pod, on Twitter, on Instagram. Go hook up our sponsors, Deal Dash and betonline.ag. They're great people for uh, supporting us. And, uh, oh, if you're thinking about adopting a, do- a dog, I'm still giving away $100 for everyone who adopts a dog this weekend. So go and do that. We don't know what's going to happen. We're going to Baltimore. We don't know what the schedule looks like, like after that. But if they get through this at Nick's 80% confidence level, we'll see you at the parade. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.